Hey guys, welcome back to the Chalk Line Talk podcast. I'm your co-host, Bo Wills, along with my other co-host, Kenny Malloy. Um, back with another exciting episode. Uh, how about our guest today, Kenny? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, good old White Sox Dave was on today, and he was, uh, he was fun to talk to. He was yeah. a big, big barstool boy and big White Sox fan, and you know, I didn't, I don't get to get in on all those insider White Sox stuff that you guys talk about, but, you know, it was so yeah, White, fun listening to it. White Sox Dave was uh, – it was fun to have a White Sox guy on and just talk White Sox. So, um, that was cool with White Sox Dave. Um, we are also going to talk uh, our favorite segments, start bench cut, and our, one of our newer segments, uh, Bad Contracts. Uh, that will be at the end of the show. Um, but today we are going to start out with – um, what's going on in the minor leagues. It was just announced, this is being recorded on Tuesday, so just announced today that the minor leagues will be shut down. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect a lot of clubs financially. Some might go bankrupt. Um, others might be okay. Um, it sounds like we're probably going to get about 42 minor league organ- or minor league clubs cut going into next year. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we are also going to address some of the guys that have dropped out of the season due to health concerns. Um, you know, it's had some pretty powerful stuff they said on that, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Uh, we also have a new thing for you guys today too. We have a trivia question for you. If you can answer it correctly, you will get a shout-out on the next show. You'll hear that in just a few seconds. But before we get into anything, we need to talk about Patreon. Patreon.com is where you can join the Chalkline Talk family. Go to patreon.com slash chalkline talk to become a member of our little squad. You can get gifts like a mug, a sticker, or even the official Chalkline Talk t-shirt when you become a member of our family. Uh, starting at as little as a dollar a month, you can contribute to the Chalkline Talk podcast and help us keep giving you fantastic content and by subscribing you can receive exclusive content such as our video of our interview with White Sox Dave, along with some other cool videos and articles that me and Kenny have posted. You also gain access to our website uh, where you can read anything that we have posted um, and written. So uh, join us, become a sponsor today. Different levels offer you different rewards, and we'd be so excited to have you guys become a part of the Chalkline Talk. So again, that's patreon.com slash chalkline talk. Um, and maybe even get mentioned on the show when you subscribe. But um, we are going to move into the show. I'm very excited. Have, uh, yeah, again, a great, a great interview with Dave and uh, some pretty cool stuff. I also have a surprise for Kenny here later on in the show too. So we'll see about that. Um, but Kenny, what do you got? Well, Bo, what do you say? Let's roll the intro. I say we roll that intro. Well, to borrow a phrase from a man I uh, deeply uh, admire, uh, I'd like to pull up a chair. Take me out to the ball game. Katie, Katie was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the home, down through every Tell you 
Take me out in the stretch. Stretch. Get on back there. They look good. You can put it on the ball. Buy me some peanuts and crackers. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. All right, guys, the trivia question of the day, a brand new thing to Chalkline Talk. Interact with us. First person to respond to me or the Chalkline Talk or to Kenny with the correct answer will receive a shout-out in the next show. So your Chalkline Talk trivia question today is, who is the worst qualified designated hitter of all time in terms of weighted runs created plus? So this person would qualify as a designated hitter. Uh, via at-bats this person had as a designated hitter through his career. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He played from the years 2011 through 2016 with, I believe, five different teams. But that is your question. Who is the worst qualified designated hitter of all time? I have no idea. Who this could be. I was thinking, like, Chris Carter, but he actually is good. He actually has a good rated runs created plus. I have no idea. I can promise you it is not Chris Carter, but if you have any answers or even maybe possible answers, DM us or comment on a post or on when we post the podcast. Comment on it and let us know. You might get a shout out on the next show. But that's the trivia question of the day. And that was a message from our sponsors, at Anchor, remember, if you'd like to start your own podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. Again, that's anchor.fm slash start. All right, Bo, so let's get into this. So minor league baseball today said that they're canceling their season. Um, I'm going to give my take on this. Um, I think as a sports community, um, not only just a sports community, but as a, as a world, um, we just got to stop living in fear. Uh, a wise man once said, we, lost, we must live by faith and not by fear. Um, so Jay Monahan, who's the uh, commissioner of the PGA Tour, um, he, he had a really good interview the other day. Uh, they had two guys test positive, um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Um, he came out right away and said, hey, guys, this is, this is something that's not going away. Um, and we're not just going to sit back and, and let – this uh stop us we're not going to shut down uh we're just going to adapt and i think that's the the stance that these sports leagues for sure have to take um so like with with major league baseball canceling the minor league season i think it actually it's it's like they're living in fear and they just need to just keep adapting nothing's going to be the same but adapt and i don't know i think that's how they're going to get the best results and i think i think the biggest thing regarding the coronavirus is just like not to get political, but, like, just be smart. Like, wear a mask. Like, I know it's frustrating, and I get it. And, like, yes, it sucks to try and breathe through a mask, but it's bigger than just yourself. And I I think people are kind of forgetting to realize that, and I understand that. And I saw a quote from the other day, and, you know, I mean, the guy was – at least he was self-aware, but it was still a pretty bad statement. But he said that he would have trouble – 
ever understanding the severity of the coronavirus unless it actually like affected him or someone he loved. And so like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's how humans work. I get that. But at the same time, you have to understand that this is bigger than yourself. Um, yep. I was listening to the Fangraphs podcast the other day and they had on an epidemiologist and uh, Ben Lindbergh and uh, Megan, uh, Megan Rowley, or Meg Rowley, they do a fantastic job. And uh, I recommend you guys, if you listen to us, go listen to them as well. They're fantastic. But um, what the epidemiologist said was that, he goes, you know, obviously Texas is bad right now. And um, they're still talking about opening up the Astros and the Rangers to, you know, to fans, which seems insane. And he goes, and obviously he goes, as if I was going to go to a game or if, you know, as a baseball fan, I'm not going to go to a Texas Rangers game right now. I'm just not. He goes, and I can control that. Because what I can't control is the guy that does go to the Texas Rangers game that ends up going to my grocery store the next day. And I think what this all comes back to is just being smart about it. And if we can just be smart about what we're doing, wear your mask, you know, try, I mean, do your best social distance. I'm not saying that you can't be with people, but, you know, maybe not, you know, spitting each other's drinks. Doesn't seem difficult stuff. I mean, obviously no one's doing that, but things that egregious that obviously are going to make the spread of this not slow down, just be smart about it. And it sucks because when we can't be smart about things like this and we can't just follow protocol, we lose things like minor league baseball. And minor league baseball isn't just the lower level of major league baseball. It's more than that. It's the place where Major League Baseball gets its ideas. Where did lockup songs come from? They came from Minor League Baseball. You know, where did all these cool, you know, like events and special nights and, you know, yeah. Yeah. emotional things come from? It came from Minor League Baseball. And we lose an aspect of the game when we lose Minor League Baseball. And, you know, the head of Minor League Baseball came out today and said, you know, when we had the economic recession in 2008, it took clubs about two to three years to recover and that's the same thing that's going to happen now. With these clubs not being able to pull in any revenue, it's probably going to be till 2022, 2023, till we see any of these minor league clubs actually, like, running fully again. And it's all because we just couldn't stay smart. And so, again, I'm not trying to get political or motivational or, you know, deep with you guys here. But just be smart about it, right? And I think if we're all smart and we take care of ourselves and we're not taking vacations to Florida or Texas or Arizona right now, I mean, we should be okay. And just, I mean, I can't say it enough. Just be smart and follow protocol. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, I just, like like the PGA commissioner said, is that this thing isn't going away. Um, so uh, I think just we just adapt. And, you know, KBO is now talking. They've done a really good job. I mean, we've seen them play baseball. Uh, what month and a half now six weeks and they're now starting to let fans come in and uh, it sounds like next week they're going to be letting fans starting to come into attendance so that's going to be that's going to be fun to see how they uh, they do that over there and how they keep those social distancing going on but yeah so no but like you said minor league baseball is such a huge factor in baseball uh, a lot of the ideas like you said did come from minor league baseball and it's not only minor league baseball um you know, we saw the collegiate baseball summer leagues get canceled this year, um, which, you know, those are always fun, too, because, you know, those teams don't make a ton of money, but they do all those promotional events that bring them in money so they can keep going on year and year out. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and I, not to, like, you know, shade this, but, like, you know, being in Duluth last year, 
you I saw it firsthand. Like some what what some of these lower level baseball organizations do for their communities. Like Duluth doesn't have a lot going on. Duluth Huskies is something that like is huge for them. Same's true for like you know the, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Not a lot going mm-hmm. on in the summer in Jacksonville besides you know Jumbo Shrimp games. And you know it's important that we keep these entities alive. And again. Following protocol would help us do that. And maybe we can't stop it now because we've been so bad, but we can surely slow it down from here on out. And we can maybe save some things that haven't been canceled yet, you know? And so, I mean, uh, I think you're right. We can't live in fear. We also like, you can't tempt fear either. You know, there needs to be a, not fear, but just an understanding of what could happen if we aren't, if we aren't smart. So yeah, no, I think I think I, I think walking that line of hey, you know this is what I can do to be safe, and so what I can do to stay healthy. Here's also what I can do, you know, to still be able to live my life and you know not not lose like my ability to you know enjoy myself. And I, I think we can all still do that in a, in a safe, healthy way. And you know I, I know we kind of strayed the point of minor league baseball here, but. Um, I mean, that's kind of where it's left us. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. But, you know, now we see guys like Ryan Zimmerman, who's coming towards what could be his last year. I don't know if you, you saw his statement that he put out, but uh, from what he said, I, I, I think last year might have been it for Ryan Zimmerman. And, uh, you know, Mike Leak is a guy who's a guy that's coming towards the end of his career as well. And now these guys aren't playing this year. Um, because of coronavirus, they're missing out on what could be their last year of playing professional baseball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys read what Ian Desmond put, but, yep. um, you know, he's been, he had, uh, he had a really powerful statement and, um, you know, he's, he's I'm not just going to read a portion of it, but said, you know, with a pregnant wife and four young children who have lots of questions about what's going on in the world, Home is where I need to be right now. Home is for my wife, Chelsea, home to help, home to guide, home to answer my older three boys' questions about coronavirus um, and civil rights and life, and home to be their dad. And I think we kind of miss that aspect of a lot of these guys is that, you know, they have more – and we talked about with John Lester, you know, his family. And, you know, could you leave – you know, could you leave your family and how that could be impactful? And, you know, it's kind of what Desmond brought up, and it was the first time we had seen somebody really say it, you know, in a public light. But – you know, these guys are bigger than baseball sometimes because, you know, when you have, you know, some young kids, they don't see you as a major league baseball player. They see his dad, you know, yep. when you have, when you have a wife, she doesn't necessarily see you as a major league baseball player, you know, you're her husband. And so sometimes you have to understand, you know, what the bigger things are and yeah, it sucks that we're not going to get to see Ian Desmond play this year. Like, Obviously, we had him on our bad contracts the other day, but he's still a fun player to watch most of the time. And it sucks we're not going to see him. It sucks we're not going to see Ryan Zimmerman probably live out his last year as a Washington National, Mr. National. And it has to end like this. But, you know, he's probably making the right decision. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's hard right. to argue with people making decisions that – You know, and here's the other thing that I read. And it's different for baseball than it is for because of what basketball is doing. But – you know, obviously basketball has their bubble and nobody can leave and they're all stuck there. And so you're, you're able to contain what's going on, but baseball is not doing that. You know, you're going home to your apartment 
or your home with your family. So it's not just reliant on you being smart. It's reliant on your entire family or anybody you're even around being smart. Like if I'm a guy, like, you know, it's my first year in the big leagues, I might still have a roommate in my apartment, yeah. you know? Yes. And all of a sudden, if my, if my roommate decides that he wants to go out to the bar on Friday night and comes back Saturday and he got the coronavirus and now, you know, we shared a cup or we shared something else in the apartment, well, now I got the coronavirus and I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But now I spread it and now all of a sudden because, you know, Joe Schmo living in, you know, I don't know, Yomer Sanchez's apartment, like – that's that's tough and it's yep that's the thing that baseball is going through right now and i had heard someone mention that maybe they could do something where they isolated guys to hotels in their own cities which would make the most sense because you wouldn't have to worry about like them being interacting with other people as much but i don't know it's i'm at first when they announced baseball i was extre- i was extremely excited and i'm getting more increasingly worried not really fearful just worried that it's going to take one breakout, you know? Yeah, no. And that's, that's the thing. I know. Um, I can tell you that Concordia where we go to school is looking, and this isn't just Concordia. Well, I guess Concordia will make their own decisions on what they're going to do for athletics in the fall, but this is what the NCAA is also looking at. They're going to look at how baseball does when they come back. They're going to look how basketball does when they come back. They're going to look at how the NFL does come back. So our college season next year is dependent on how these guys do. I was talking to our coach today and he was like, we just got to hope and pray that baseball does well when they come back. Yeah. And again, I, I have no doubt that the big league guys are going to be smart. You know, yes, it's their jobs are on the line. Their money is on the line. You know, their, I mean, their lives are on the line, obviously, but, you know, their, what their future holds is on the line, whether they follow these standards or not. It's yep. the people and, around them that could mess everything up. Yep. And now, so uh, talking to Josh Hader today, I got the opportunity to talk to him for a little bit today as he was, as he was throwing a bullpen. And he was like, today's my last day being outside. The only places that I'm essentially able to go is from, my house to the ballpark. They don't want us going out to dinner. They don't want us going. They want us to limit all our time going to the grocery store. He was like, so today is my seriously one of my last days to go outside and just be free. And I know that sounds honestly insane, but it's like the best thing to do. Yes. And so, yeah, I, this kind of turned into a coronavirus talk that I wasn't expecting, but uh, you know, it's, it's it's the biggest it's the biggest talk because now that we have the season like under control like we know like what's going to happen the only thing stopping it now is you know the potential virus and yes that's i mean you're just pretty much waiting and seeing you know i try we'll try to turn this a little bit funnier but uh listen to a podcast the other day and they were saying you know could you imagine if we got about you know 10, 12 games in, right? And, you know, the Orioles, the Mariners, the Tigers, maybe they hadn't won a game yet. You know, they were 0-10. They were 0-11 or something like that. And they just said, you know what? 
we're not going to risk our best players getting sick or getting hurt. And they just pulled everybody and put in a bunch of backups or just decided they didn't want to play anymore. Could we see the first winless season in the history of Major League Baseball? That is an interesting take. I don't know. Um, Cause I get, they're still pulling revenue though from like TV deals and stuff. So I think that would almost be a death sentence to a team because they're going to get absolutely no revenue this year if they decide to pull their team. But I guess for a team with the Orioles who want, they have a $64 million payroll this year and half of that is by one guy. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I, that, was interesting an, take. that was an interesting take. I didn't, I don't know. It seemed interesting, but I guess we'll leave can it they, there. Can they what? do that? Can they do that? What? Can they just say, hey, we're done for the year? I mean, I don't know how you could really stop them. You could probably file a lawsuit, maybe. I would think there'd probably be a lawsuit you could file. Yeah, I guess the other thing that I just wanted to uh, touch base with you quick is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, So, me being from Arizona, Arizona just shut down yesterday. Um, You know, well, it's a modified shutdown. So, like, restaurants are still open, but if you're a bar, you're closed. gyms are closed school just got postponed to the end of august what do you do if you're like uh let's say uh i don't know who i guess all those teams in the in the western divisions are pretty in covid heavy hot spots but what do you do if you're major league baseball in a state where they're growing cases by anywhere from five to seven thousand cases a day if you're in seattle and washington's doing pretty well right now yeah. Like all of a sudden we have to make a trip to Arizona where yeah. it's like one of the worst states in the country of coronavirus right now. Like, I'm sorry, but Hey, like I'm Mitch Hanniger. Uh, Hey Skipper. I don't really know if I want to go down there, man. We've won three games all year and I really don't want to get coronavirus. Yeah. Do, do you, does the MLB end up moving a team like that? Cause well, they, they have the power to do that though. The one yeah. thing that I saw was, was, hey, what if we move Arizona to Reno? Yeah, well, and they've been talking about moving the Florida teams as well. And yeah. te- they've talked about moving the Texas teams. But the thing is, and we talked about this with, I believe that was Ben Clemens that we talked about this, about the, the Astros, you know, horrible TV deal. It makes sense why they're pressing so hard to get fans because they know how much money they're going to lose if they don't yep. have fans. Yep. And so maybe the smartest thing Manfred could do was is move the Astros out not just be like for, for the personal safety of everybody involved like because obviously yeah. the Astros aren't thinking straight by trying to get fans they're only thinking about the money aspect Manfred could actually make a, a, a very powerful move and say you know what I'm not going to give you the opportunity to put people's lives at risk because you guys are moving to I don't know move to Canada well, that's what that's the issue with the Blue Jays right now too. I don't know if you saw that, but they're actually going to go down to Florida. Yeah, I see. I think I think that's the stupidest thing they could possibly do. Yeah, um, but the, the one thing is that the Canadian government doesn't want outside people in because Canada is doing so well in the 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 coronavirus uh, numbers right now. They don't want people coming in right now. Yeah, but it does um, sound like they have uh, made an exception for the NHL. And so okay. it sounds like the NHL is going to be – they were talking about Chicago. Chicago's still in the mix. It seems like it's probably going to go to Canada, um, either in Edmonton or maybe Vancouver they were talking. I don't remember the two. Um, but it sounds like Canada was being more willing because it would help, you know, the economy by bringing people in there a little bit. And so if baseball wanted to do the same thing and said, hey, 
you know, we have the Rays, the Marlins, the Blue or the Blue Jays are already up there, but we have the Rays, the Marlins, uh, the Diamondbacks, the Astros, and the Rangers. So that's like what six teams. Like, mm-hmm. let's say we need to get those teams up there. You know, think think if we can make that happen, and maybe they do. Yeah. But all right, that's all we got for our coronavirus, minor league baseball, and uh, you know, political talk for the day. Apparently, uh, um, but. Uh, we are going to move on to one of our favorite segments, uh, uh, start, bench, cut segment. Uh, we have a catcher's version today, so uh, a new twist on the start, bench, cut. So we are going to move on to that next. All right. This week, we got an interesting start bench cut. Um, We've we done pitchers. We did third basemen. Um, what other positions have we done, Bo? We, oh, we did shortstop. We started yeah, with shortstops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I was thinking, let's get, let's get behind the plate a little bit, and let's look at these guys. Um, the generals. Yeah, so captains of the field here. So these are, there's two guys that are – Still kind of entering their prime of their season, if not or entering the prime of their career. If not, they've entered it, you know, just starting their, their actual prime. Um, and then we got a guy who is in his prime, um, you know, probably has three years left of being a very good defensive catcher uh, before he moves to first base. But, you know, just looking at numbers and stuff, I was like, these guys are all uh, fairly comparable um, offensively. It was the defense that the two guys were very comparable, and the one guy kind of blew them out. So the three guys that we did this week was Yasmani Grandal, the White Sox, Gary Sanchez of the Yankees, and Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. And I'll start out with this one, and I'm going to go to – we're going to start backwards this week. We're going to start at cut. Um, really? So my cut – yeah, we're going to start at cut this week. We're going to go backwards. We'll go, we'll go cut, start, bench. Uh, so my cut is going to be Wilson Contreras. Um, really? Yes. And I'm going to cut Wilson Contreras. Um, you know, and I, this was tough because him and Gary Sanchez are very comparable. I don't know. I, I like Gary a little bit more than Wilson, but we'll get into Wilson. So, um, you know, slightly above average bat, I think. Um, and then, you know, you look, at him compared to other catchers in the league and he's he's very average he sits in the middle uh defensively um so his offensive rating which is batting and base running combined above average so 0.0 is average in 2016 he had a 7.7 2017 a 6.2 2018 a negative 4.9 and 2019 a 14.9 um so 2019 he did really well. Um, you know, 2018 is kind of a fluke year for him. I don't think we're going to see numbers like that again. Um, you know, maybe once he starts regressing and gets to the end of his career, we might see a negative number, but I don't think we'll see anything near negative 4.9. Uh, his defensive rating, which is fielding and positional adjustment combined above average, so 0.0 is average on that one as well. Uh, 2016 is 7.9. 2017 is 3.7. 2018 to negative 5.5, 2019 to negative 0.3. And I'll get into why I picked Gary over him here in a second. Um, 
wars we've seen from Wilson in 2016, 2.5 war, 2017, 2.4 war, 2018.7 war, 2019, 2.7. Um, his framing stats is why I actually picked Gary over Wilson. Um, Wilson does not steal many strikes for his pitchers. Um, so in 2016, his framing advance stat was 2.6. 2017, negative 9.1. 2018, negative 18.2. And 2019, negative 8.9. So that is why I am cutting Wilson Contreras. Interesting. Would you care if I gave you, you my cut? Yeah, go to your cut. My cut's going to be Gary. Gary, huh? And the reason I cut Gary is I Wilson Contreras, Gary Sanchez are very similar. And, in fact, I don't really like Wilson Contreras very much. He's actually one of my least favorite players in baseball. I don't really know why. I just don't like him very much. And there's not really any way to explain it for me. You know, some guys have a likability factor, you know? Just yep. don't – I don't have it for him. And I don't know why, but not a fan. But it doesn't mean that I still don't think he's a very good player. Same with Gary. They're both very good players. Only reason I take Wilson ahead of him is Wilson Contreras offers a lot more versatility than Gary Sanchez. And this year with the DH, we could very well see Wilson Contreras be the everyday left fielder for the Cubs. Yeah. It would yes. take it would take a lot of stress off of his body. It would allow him to play more games. And I think that it would help him and the team a lot the more he's out there. Where Gary is you can't play him anywhere else. You know, he's a catcher. Maybe one day he becomes a first baseman, but I don't know. He's he's a catcher and there hasn't been any other versatility around him. So even though maybe Gary's better defensively as a I don't know, I mean he's better defensively as a catcher. And it, he is, but it's minuscule, too. It's not like he's light years ahead of Wilson, you know. He's, he's minuscule ahead of Wilson Contreras. But Wilson Contreras offers more versatility, and I think that offers him uh, just a slight nudge over Gary Sanchez. So I'm looking at uh, Wilson Contreras' advanced stats here for the outfield. Um, you know, his range rating, I mean – what is he had 218 innings in the outfield in his career. His range rating was a negative 0.7. His arms a negative two in the outfield. Um, he doesn't make, he made nine plays outside of the zone. So I guess maybe if they work with him a little bit out there, I don't know if they make that move this year though. Well, the only thing is you're not necessarily asking to be a stellar defender out there. You're just asking him to get the job done and a negative 0.7 rating. Obviously it's not, Fantastic, but not, it's, that's right on average, you know, and he's going to provide, yeah. provide average offense and then he's going to provide you value with his bat. And that's the other thing is I think Wilson might have a better longevity because they don't know – there's no way else to play Gary where Wilson Contreras could play other positions for the rest of his career. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But, no, that was a close call. That was a very close call. Yeah. Well, then I think we're probably going to be pretty, pretty similar here with our start. Yeah, I think uh, the start's gonna... pretty obvious here. Uh, the start for me, at least, I'm thinking it's going to be the same for you. Yeah, we should, I think we're going to be pretty similar here with Yasmani Grandal yeah. starting for I us. I mean, that, 
if you look at his uh, defensive ratings, uh, he's a top 10 defensive catcher to ever played the game of baseball. And let's not forget that he's an on-base machine, too. Yes. And I, I know uh, people, people will get mad at that. Well, oh, hey, he hit 241 last year. He sucks. Stop looking at batting average. He gets on base, you know, with a .348 clip. His wool was a .344. He slugs .446. He gets the job done, and he's also one of the best defensive catchers we've seen in a long time. Yeah, dude, Gary – or Yasmani. Sorry, I was getting on to Gary here. But uh, Yasmani is – I mean, what he did in Milwaukee last year, it wasn't his defense. It wasn't his offense. The Milwaukee Brewers are not in the playoffs if they don't have Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. The average age of the Milwaukee Brewers starting pitchers last year was 25.8 years old. That is a very young pitching staff. What Yasmani did for them, calling pitches, mentoring those young guys. I saw it firsthand in Arizona. Uh, who started? It was a young guy. Oh, Hauser got his second start of the year in Arizona. And him and Yasmani ground all are down in the bullpen, and Yasmani is just talking to him, just figuring out what, how they're going to attack these guys. And Yasmani is just talking to him, hey, we're going to go this way, we're going to go this way. And I was there at the game about two hours before the game. So I got – I was sitting right behind the bullpen. Um, I got to hear all these conversations these guys are having. Um, and it was, like, awesome. I mean, Yasmani mentored the hell out of the Brewers pitching staff last year. And I don't think without – if we don't have Yasmani last year, not only did his offense and defense play a big factor in this, but what he did for that young pitching staff was phenomenal. Yeah, and how about the how about the interesting factor of that, too? He goes from a young staff in Milwaukee to where? A young staff in Chicago. Yep, and now he gets to work with guys like Giolito, who we saw take a big step forward last year. But, again, he's still very young. Also a young Michael Kopech, young Dylan Cease. Young, yep. you know, Lopez, and he also gets to have some experience with Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel. So, yeah, I mean, uh, no, that's, that's that a is, fantastic combo. He's phenomenal at everything. Um, you know, he was instrumental for the last year. He had 34 home runs for them. Uh, what was his war last year? He had a, a 2.3 war last year. Oh, Yasmani? Uh, yeah, that's not right. No, he had 5.2 war. Uh, 5.2. Sorry, I looked at the wrong number there. Um, but, I mean, the guy just tore it up in Milwaukee. Um, I cannot say good, enough good stuff about yeah, Like, this guy is just the perfect guy. I mean, the White Sox are going to have huge benefits in their pitching rotation next year. I guess well, this here, year, no. Here's another thing is that, you know, when a guy strikes out 22% of the time, it's a high number, you know. But when you almost walk at the same rate that you strike out, and you strike out 22% of the time, you walk a lot. And that's impressive. Yes. And he walked 17.2% of the time last year. Yeah. And, you know, I mean. It, over uh, his career, I mean, he's, guy, he's walked 14% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, his – I don't know if you're looking at, like, some of those advanced stats, but his hard hit rate last year just skyrocketed. He was up to 42.1% of the balls. He hit last year hard hit. That's, like, top in the league. Oh, yeah. Only thing is that he doesn't hit enough fly balls, but, you know, it's you'll, you'll get there. Yeah. But. No, uh, I think. That, that's the other thing. The is White Sox is, a lot of ground balls, which is, yikes. Yeah. yeah, no, and I was going to, I forgot to mention that, and that's what I, 
that was partially what I put in there. Um, but yeah, no, the White Sox are going to see huge benefits from Yasmani this year. And you guys are extremely lucky to have him behind the plate for you guys. I'm very excited about Yasmani. But uh, yeah, so so my bench guy, obviously, that. Or you yeah. want to talk about Yasmani a little bit more? No, I'm good with Yasmani. We just got Wilson as the bench guy, right? Or I have Wilson. Yeah. I have Wilson as my bench guy. You have Gary Sanchez as your bench guy, right? Yep, yep. But yeah, I had Wilson as my bench guy. Um, you know, I kind of already spoke about him with Gary, but you know, very similar. Just you know, provides more versatility. So that's why I got him on my bench. Yep. Yeah. That was uh, a good one. Yeah. But hey, that's all we got for our start bench cut segment. Uh, we have a very cool interview now. Um, we teased it in the beginning. We are very excited to introduce to you guys White Sox Dave. Also, I would like to mention, if Dave's listening to this, uh, I have a merch idea, Dave. And if you're listening, take this into consideration. We need a shirt with Eloy Jimenez wearing the red batting glove with the words, hi, mom, on it. Okay? We need that, like, to breathe. And I know you guys can make that. So make that happen, man, because we need the hi, mom with the red batting glove waving at us. Like, that is that is necessary. So whatever you can do to get that on there, we need to see it. But all right, guys, this is our interview with White Sox Dave. Oh, there we go. Hello? What's going on, Dave? Hey, what's happening, fellas? How you doing? Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, excited for White Sox baseball you back or what? How are you feeling? I I'm this summer's been miserable. It's been awful. So yeah, I can't wait to just at least have something to watch each night. Have some nice, uh, great tasting, less filling more lights too while we're at it too. That'd be nice. Um, but hey, uh, we'll introduce you. Today we have on uh, exciting guest White Sox Dave. Uh, works for Barstool Sports on the Red Line Radio with the Chicago Barstool guys. Um, I'm super excited to have Dave on, and uh, we can't thank him enough for being able to be on here. Yeah, hey. thanks, Dave. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, I'll start off. I'm, I mean, Kenny's a Brewers fan, I'm a White Sox fan, so I'll start it off here. Uh, Sox have a lot of young talent, and I was listening to Redline the other day, and you were talking a lot about Kopech, and I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about is what they do with Kopech, and I, I, I really agree with you in the fact that there's no reason to try and, like, hold him back. It's been two years. Right, yeah. I mean, that people are saying that's reason to hold him back, but it's not like he hasn't been throwing. It just hasn't been a hitter. So, well, it has been a hitter. It just hasn't been in an actual live game situation. So, he, I mean, I haven't spoken with him in a while now because he deleted all his social media. But from everything I understand, he's as healthy and as strong as he's ever been, and he's only going to have about 60 innings to throw this year anyways. So why baby him? It's not like he's going to be, you know, 200 inning year or anything like that. It's going to be about a third or less of that. So that's what I say, and people just don't seem to agree or understand with it, but that's what I would do. Yeah, and, like, and Kenny's had Tommy John, so he understands, like, the process of that. But it's been two years, and I think what's the best part for him is that he hasn't had the stress of throwing in live games or having to, like – try and please an entire fan base as being a young talent that needs to come up and prove that he's worth what, you know, what the White Sox traded for him. He's just been able to rehab, get healthy, get stronger, and prepare himself for this moment. Right, yeah, exactly. And and he's ready. So 
I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I would assume since he has – I mean, we already saw him for four or five starts before he got hurt two seasons ago, um, that he will be immediately on the – on the 30, whatever 30 man roster, I think it is to start the, to start the weird season we're having. So I just don't know what they're going to do with them. Are they going to take them out of the pen? Are they going to, you know, start them every five, six days and limit them to two, three, four innings a piece. I would just have them pitch like normal. That's what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned the four man rotation too, but. I can talk about the whole Tommy John thing for a minute. I know that I didn't feel, uh, 100% till I'm about two and a half years out now and then I'm now just starting to really feel 100% off 100% like hey I'm ready to go Uh, so I don't know I know he has better better physical therapists and stuff than I have he has top of the line people but um, I don't know that's just a guy that's young high ceiling I don't know if you want to push him if he's not 100% ready yeah, and, and I'm just assuming because a lot of pitchers are back within a year or so pitching in at least, you know, minor league games before they work their way back. I know we're going to see Radon pretty quickly in this season too, but I've never had the surgery, so I can't speak from experience. This is all just what, what, I'm, what I'm guessing since, you know, we've seen the people come back in about a year or so. Yep. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, aside from the Kopech talks, I, I know a lot of White Sox fans are excited about Kopech, including myself. Um, I, I think the most excited that anybody is for any player that we're going to see this year is La Pantera, which is Luis Robert. Yep, he's going to be a freak show. Uh, like I, I've said this many times. I don't know if he were American that he'd even be a baseball player. He yeah, I think you'd be seeing him starring at, like, wide receiver at, you know, Clemson or Alabama or something like that. So, um, he's a freak athlete, and he he works so, so hard. I'm sure you guys follow him on Instagram and everything. Yeah. But, uh, like, I mean, they have a legit – out of all the players, I would still say Mankata is going to be the best all-around player. But if you said it was going to be uh, Robert, then – because he's, he's got every single tool. He can run, he can hit, hit for power, he can def- play defense. Like, we've seen Eloy, he's not exactly fleet of foot or good defensively. He can just mash. So, um, I can't wait for him. It's it, That's going to be – he's going to be a big storyline right off the bat, I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, Mokata's going to be the guy. And that's that's your foundation piece for the next, you know, hopefully after his contract's up, there's there's room for an extension, another, another contract. But – He's hopefully your foundation guy, but Luis Robert has, I mean, his skill set is very similar to that of Ronald Acuna, who we see as probably the face of baseball for the next 10 years. And when you look at what Luis Robert, Luis Robert brings to the table, it's very similar. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the perfect comparison. Um, I've seen him compared to Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Sr. as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, you pencil him in with, you know, all these other young guys, that's that's just a devastating lineup. And he's locked up just like the rest of them for at least nine years, if the Sox want it. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, all right, so we got our two exciting guys out of the way. Now we talk about the team. 60 games. I mean, we're going to get, you know, 20 against uh, the Tigers and the Royals. And those are an important 20 games for the White Sox when another 20 are going to have to come against the Twins and the Indians. I, I said this on our last podcast, and I, I think it rings true. 
the White Sox make the playoffs if they beat the Tigers and the Royals, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's 10 games against those two apiece, so 20 games. If they can win 15 of those, 14, 15 of them, that's what they should do. Uh, and then you got, you know, 40 games left to win another, another, I would say, 20 games. So go 500 the rest of the games, that's a 35 and 25 record. You're looking at a playoff spot right there. But um, I, I, they're, they're, they don't care who they play at this point. I, they know that they can be one of the very best teams in baseball, and that's their attitude each and every night, just going off of what we've been told by some of the guys. So um, they're just ready to go. And, like, I, I think they're, they know that each game counts, and I think youth is going to be you know, a, a, big, a big factor for them this year because, you know, they're not going to run out of steam in, a, in what will be a really quick – really daunting schedule or season so um that and and they just want it they're sick of losing they know that like even the guys that haven't been in Chicago too long know they they you know the White Sox haven't done well for the last decade or so and they want to change that and they're excited to be the ones that are going to change it yeah and I saw you talk to Gio and he was just pretty much like we're ready we're hungry and that's so cool to hear as a fan of a team that's seen so many struggles over the last decade yeah, exactly. Geo, Geo's as hungry as, you know, the next guy. And I, I was reading and I told him on this interview, I think that like it was 7 a.m. A couple of reporters get to the clubhouse and they're blasting like Sandstorm or some techno music at 7 a.m. getting pumped up for a spring training game. And if they're getting pumped up for a spring training like that, you know, you know, they're chopping at the bit to get ready for this. This what's going to be a good, good decades worth of baseball. Yeah. Now, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but we didn't really get to it. You had talked about a four-man rotation with the White Sox. Now, I think that's actually kind of like something they could do. Um, if they were to go with four guys, who who are those four guys? I would go with, uh, obviously, Giolito, obviously, Keuchel. Then after that, right now, I would go with Kopech and Cease. And then okay. you have Verdon, uh, Lopez, and, uh, I mean, you can go all the way back to Dunning. And Gonzalez, uh, too. Yeah, Gonzalez is right there. Obviously, he's on the one-year deal. I think he'll be better as a swing guy anyways. You have all these guys that are established pitchers. Well, not all of them, Dunning and Steve aren't, but you, the depth. And then you even could use – I would use Crochet this year. They're the mm-hmm. draft pick. I mean, he's got the stuff to get hitters out. And in, and his he's not figured to be someone who's going to be wild, kind of like Kopech and Radon were. So, I would throw him to the Wolves this year too. I mean, it – if like everybody remembers when the Hawks went, uh, won their 2013 cup, but and they it's all it's recognized as one of the best Hawks teams ever. But they only played a half a season because of yeah. the strength. And exactly no one about that. So, so if the White Sox win the World Series this year, no one's gonna remember that it was a shortened season ten years from now. They're gonna remember they won the World Series. So I think that's the goal. And if that's their goal, that should be what we're thinking as fans. Yeah, I think the whole asterisk thing, like. If you're, if you're a fan of the team that won it, you're not putting an asterisk on it. It's only if, like, the Dodgers or the Astros win it because, you know, screw them. But, of course, uh, yeah. But, for, I mean, a White Sox fan, you're not, you're not putting an asterisk on it. If you're a Brewers fan, you're not putting an asterisk on a Brewers World Series title. Like, that's not just a, not happening. Not a chance. Not a chance. No, absolutely zero chance of that. Um, but, yeah, so speaking of the White Sox and World Series odds, he, your coworker and – uh, famed Yankee fan Marty Moshe's had some words about our White Sox lately, and gotta say, not not a big fan of them. 
I mean, that's fine. He, he He's good at getting under people's skin, and that's what he's doing. I still don't know why a Yankees fan would care about the White Sox, and I think it's kind of flattering that he's thinking about them that much. But all it tells me is that he's scared, that he's, uh, he's worried about them uh, coming for the big, bad Yankees. And if that's the case, then I actually love it. Like, I think that makes us relevant. Yeah, exactly. Feed me with your fear. So that's all it tells me. Uh, Marty's an awesome kid, but uh, he's – He's a good troll, too, and that's all he's doing right now. Yeah, Marty Marty does know how to troll. He's got that double chicken rat dog winner or whatever he's doing. But, uh, yeah, well, I I think that's kind of interesting that the White Sox have kind of bled into, like, the, the talk of other fan bases because it seems like now more than ever you see people talking about, well, you know, the White Sox and their young group, but they're not ready yet. Where if you're talking about, like, two years ago, there, that was never a conversation whether they're ready or, yet, ready or not. You know, it was just – who cares now it's oh well are they ready or not and that's a good sign yeah right and and they will tell you they are ready so um I mean they wouldn't have sunk money into all these starting pitchers like Dallas Keuchel and or not not starting pitchers but all these players like Dallas Keuchel and and Encarnacion if they didn't think they were ready to win this year so um that's what I mean like I said if the if the players in the organization expects to win it and as much as they can tell you they were expecting to win the last few years we all know they weren't but if they can if, – if the White Sox as a whole expect it regular night in, night out, then I expect it too. And I think that's what the fans should expect. Absolutely. And, all right, so I'm talking about, like, the 40-man roster or the 60-man thing that they just did, um, the one thing that kind of, like, caught my eye was how horrible the White Sox outfield depth looks right now. I mean, other than Robert and Eloy and Mazzaro – it like it was brutal. I mean, Adam Engel and uh, I think, I think maybe Palka was on there, but or Nicky Delmonico, and it, I mean, could like using that are the White Sox like? Can we see Puig? I don't know. I have not heard that they are in any way, shape, or form interested. Um, I think if they wanted him, they would have gone after him right now. And they would have had them already. Obviously, there's the Cuban connections. Um, but I, I just think there's no interest on their end. And I have no idea why. He's obviously good enough to add to the White Sox depth right now. But I'm sure that there's something that's stopping them from even having interest, which I'm guessing is off the field stuff, uh, being a bad teammate, whatever it is. I don't think he's ever gotten in trouble, trouble. But uh, it sounds like – I mean, if from, that's what I would guess. I could be completely wrong, but uh, – I mean, as a fan, I would welcome it because, like you said, they do need some outfield depth. But if they have the reasons and it has nothing to do with him being, you know, a player, a good player, then I'm all aboard on that. Like, you don't want to screw up with the good vibe that they have is going as a club right now. Yeah, and yeah, that makes that makes sense. I just the reason I brought it up was just seeing how poor their outfield depth was and knowing that, like, obviously Puig defensively is uh, he's a top tier defensive player with his arm and his, you know, mobility in the outfield. And with their depth, he just seemed to make sense. But obviously there's always off-the-field questions with a guy that's so, you know, polarizing as Puig. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's all it really boils down to. So, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong and we see him sign tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of surprised he's not playing out in Japan right now, personally, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, that, that's actually kind of a good point. Like our boy Saladino out there. Yeah, exactly. He's doing well, I guess. Yeah, he's – I think – who is he with, Kenny? He's with the uh, – Dinos, right? 
No, it's no, the, I uh, the get up for those games because of sleep schedules. But, um, but yeah, like he's he's doing well from everything I've seen. A few of his at bats, he looks good. He's with Samsung. Oh yeah, the Lions, Samsung, Samsung Lions. Yep, and our boy Ojasamer Despani is out there too, Dave. See that, and I had a good laugh at that. He was <laughs> like he was on the team last year, which goes yeah. to show how much better they've gotten in the course of one one off season and one shortened season. Yeah, I mean, like they had Ojasamer Despania and Reed Detweiler in that rotation last year. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to win with that. And now you're trying to figure out who do you yeah. put in the rotation because you have so much depth, which is a, a fantastic problem to have. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, Dave, what – I guess we'll give you a little promo shout-out. What do we got coming up on Redline Radio here pretty soon? Uh, th- Thursday we have Patrick Renna coming on, who was the oh, great – Oh, yeah. And uh, then Bears punter Pat O'Donnell, he hopped on with us. And then after that, I mean, it's crazy for – I could get a bunch of White Sox guys in the coming weeks, but uh, we're waiting for them to get settled back in in this crazy year before we start hammering that. Other than that, same old stuff. Catch us on uh, Sirius XM channel 85, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 p.m., and that's about that. All right, perfect. Um, also, one more thing before you go. Um, actually, I got two more things before you go. One, uh, Dan, or you're a D3 player. We're a D3 player, so we kind of got that connection. Uh, a little North Central College action. You guys are kind of in the big picture right now with the, uh, you know, the football national championship. So, I mean, North Central is kind of like it's a good notch. D3 program. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there it it should be the easiest D three school on earth to recruit because you got a, an awesome downtown area right there. You got Chicago, you know, a forty minute train right away. The facilities are great and it's a good school. So, um, they were in the Sweet Sixteen basketball already before the season got canceled too, and you know they could have made it a run at a basketball national championship too, and then baseball they were ranked seventh and undefeated when. They uh when their season got stopped so yeah it's a good athletic program it's uh it's fun to have gone there yeah I would I would like to give you the nice uh nice intro like Carl does but I I can't pull off that that Chicago accent but um you know, last, last thing before I let you go so we do this with all our guests um 60 game season obviously there's a lot of crazy different things that can happen I mean we could see a team like literally win 10 games like Baltimore might do um we could see a team go on like an insane run and maybe they only lose 10 games. Um, but players wise, team wise, whatever, what's some like crazy hot take prediction, something that's way out there that we could see happen that um, I don't know, like would surprise people. I think the Reds are going to win the NL Central. That's my call. Okay. The really? They're going to really? be this year. I think they're going to be awesome. Yeah. And they might win that division with like 31 wins too. That's true. That's a tough division. I mean, the Cubs don't they, – they can't lose much this year because other teams aren't going to be losing much in that division. I, I mean, the Cubs got the – they got the Cardinals who are good, the Brewers who are good, the Reds who I think are going to be really good, then the White Sox, Twins, Indians out of the – you know, out of the – how many yeah. total are they going to play? Nine total teams this year? Four, yeah. four Yeah, so four team, uh, four in their division and five out of the other division. So – yeah, they're going to they're gonna have their work cut out for them. We'll see how they are. I don't know if their pitching is deep enough, but we'll see. Yeah, I, that's – I've had, like, some of my Cubs friends are, you know, oh, well, the Cubs are going to make the playoffs. I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, that's that's probably the toughest like, – and it's 
Sounds crazy, but that's probably the toughest division in baseball because they're all oh, yeah. so competitive and they're all like really kind of even. Like nobody's so much better than anybody else in that division. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have the best teams in baseball, but the, I mean, every team is pretty damn good. So, like, yeah. Yeah. They're just going to beat the shit out of each other all year long. Yeah, exactly. And except for the Pirates. Like, they're just going to be. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be wiping their faces with blood because they're just going to get their shit beat out of them. But, um, well, Dave, that's all we got for you. Uh, we are so glad that you're able to come on. Um, it's always cool to have another White Sox fan and, you know, someone as popular as you come on here. So, um, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. No problem, fellas. No, thanks, Dave. Uh, let me know when it drops, and then I'll catch you guys soon, all right? All right, perfect. Yeah, love to have you back on, man. Yep, anytime. I'll catch you guys later. All right, see you, Dave. See you. Oh, thank you. All right, guys, we are back with a bad contracts uh, segment today. Uh, we just kind of did this one. I think it was last Wednesday, maybe, or last Sunday. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this is the second one that we will be doing. Uh, I remember last time we had Rosny Castillo and uh, Ian Desmond on there. So, two different ones this time. Uh, my guy is from the Kansas City Royals. Kenny, any preliminary guesses on who it may be? Ian Kennedy. God damn it. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yes, it is Ian Kennedy. That really took away the fun of that. Um, but, no, my bad contract is Ian Kennedy. Um Really, he ha he was productive last year with the Royals as a reliever. Um, kept his walks down to around two and a half. Uh, struck out about, you know, ten batters per nine. Um, left on base around 80%. And he was actually very efficient last year. Ended up with 30 saves. Um, ERA 3.41. His FIP was actually lower than his ERA, showing that he was a little bit unlucky, actually, with the runs that were scored. Um I ended up putting up a one and a half war as a closer um, and, you know, in 63 appearances. So, um, no, he was actually valuable last year as a closer. And looking back, you know, paying him, I believe it's $14 million a year um, for a closer now. Actually, it's up to 16 and a half for this year. Um, but, I mean, when they signed him, that wasn't what they had in mind. I think no. that's the reason why it's the bad contract. Yeah. Because they had him, they had they had him as like a frontline rotation guy because he kind of he dominated in Arizona a little bit. Yes, he came in as a guy that was supposed to be at the front of their rotation, um, and that first year with the Royals, where he made uh, thirty three starts, he actually did end up doing a pretty good job. He pitched to a three sixty ERA, but his FIP kind of made it look like he was probably due for some regression. Um, he left on base around eighty three percent of the guys, which you know showed that he was allowing a lot of guys on base. He was walking, you know, three batters uh, per every nine, and he's only striking out about eight. And so it's like, okay, he had a good year, but maybe, you know, wait, let's see if he can keep it up. Well, then the next year he came back, and then he showed why uh, this was a bad deal. Because in 30 starts, he only went 154 innings, which means he's going about five innings to start, which for a guy you're paying, you know, $15, $16 million, you need more out of that. And – in those 154 innings, he pitched to a 5.38 ERA. Yikes. Absolute yeah. yikes from our boy Ian Kennedy. Then came back in 2017 and pitched to a 4.66, so he made an improvement. Only started 22 games. And then 2019, they made him full-time reliever, and he ended up pitching back to a uh, 
a more uh, respectable, like, what he's making for his contract. So, like, realistically, the contract could be worse because he could have kept pitching like he did in 2017, but he's at least made himself valuable to the team. It's just he's not doing what they signed him to do, and that's why I think it's a bad contract. I cannot agree with you anymore. Like, if I signed a guy that's supposed to hit, you know, 35 homers and, you know, drive in 100, and, well, hey, you know, he's hit, you know, 10, 12 homers in each of the last, like, three years. But, hey, he, like, got really fast and he stole 35, 40 bases. Well, hey, you know, that's good and that's productive, but he's not doing what we signed him to do. And so I think that's a big aspect of why this contract was bad. Yeah. No, I – yeah. I have a little bias toward the park. And uh, I took a different role this this time. I uh, decided to be a manager instead of a general manager. And he took over Ian Kennedy. He's been pinching really well for me, but – yeah, yeah well, so I'll get he, into was, mine. he was a Diamondbacks guy too. He had that really good year in 2011. Yeah, yeah. So I'll get into mine. So this guy tore it up in 2012 and 2013. Um, he, you know, played on a team that wasn't the greatest uh, in Cincinnati, but his ERA in 2012 was a 3.68. 2013 was a three four nine. Uh, you know, XFIP numbers of a 3.34 in 2013. He had a 4.1 war in 2013. Um, they signed him to a deal that was six years on $105 million. Do you get any guesses? Who, the Reds? Yeah. He's a starting pitcher? Yeah. Mine is, like, dumb. What the, how can I not think of this? He's only he's only played for two teams in his career. He played from the Reds from 2007 till last year when he got flipped at the deadline. Oh, so he's not on the Reds anymore. Well, not right now. He's not on the Reds. No. Oh well, that doesn't help me. Who was he on last? Uh, well, now he's with the Twins. And he's a starting pitcher. Yes. Oh well, that's Homer Bailey. Yes. Well, yeah, you yes. misled you misled me. Oh, oh, I was talking about his Reds days. So, that's, yeah. Well, wow, I see how it is. You don't want me to get the answer right. Okay, that's how we're going to play. I it. told you he signed the contract extension well, with the Reds. I should have told you that Ian Kennedy was on the friggin' White Sox. You would never have got him. Well, he didn't. Did he ever? Yeah, no, whatever. No. Okay. Ooh. So let's, get, let's get into this. So, Homer <laughs> Bailey, six years, $105 million, like I said. Um, yeah, and then his career kind of just went to shit after he signed that. Uh, so he signed that deal in 2014. Um, he only made uh, – let me pull this up. He made uh, 23 starts before going out on the – going out for the year with uh, arm fatigue. Um, so he finished that season 9-5, year. All right, Not a bad year. Um, so 2015 rolls around, and he was still dealing with his forearm fatigue that was going on from last year. So he started – he pitched in spring training a couple games, uh, just didn't feel right. So he began the 2015 season on the DL on May 1st. Uh, it was actually determined that he tore his UCL. 
which required Tommy John surgery. So that ended his 2015 season. Um, 2016, as he was rehabbing, um, he felt pain in his elbow and it sidelined for an extra two months. So he then made it back up to the bigs in July of 2016. Um, so yeah, 2016 rolls around and he makes six starts through 23 innings to a 6.65 ERA. Um, then 2017 comes around. And he uh, had surgery in February to remove bone spurs from his right elbow. Um, so this recovery time is expected to take four weeks. He did not make it back onto the mound until the end of June, um, where he then went to make 18 starts through 91 innings with 6.43 ERA, um, a FIP of four. 4.9 and an XFIP of 4.98. Uh, 2018 rolls around and uh, he gets traded to the Dodgers after starting the season one and seven with an ERA of 668. Uh, made 12 starts and then uh, before he got traded, was on the disabled list with right knee inflammation. Um, and at one point, he uh, was removed from the Dodgers rotation after suffering nine straight losses. And now he is in Minnesota. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really understand his appeal. I never really have. He had that one, like, pretty good year, or that little good stretch he had those two years in Cincinnati. But, like, he's never been dominant, and he's never really been a guy that's like, oh, yeah, he's just going to go out there and eat innings. Like, he's thrown 200 innings twice in his career. Yeah. Like, that's it. And so, I mean, even, like, with James Shields, he was like, well, you know, he kind of sucks, but he's going to go eat innings in 162 games. You need guys to eat innings. And so, even though he was getting overpaid, he was eating innings. Like, Homer Bailey has never really been that guy. He, yeah, he's only has a 16 point career war um and he's played for 12 years yes so that's getting a little over one no not that's like a little over one every year yeah yeah so i mean the guy's making a boatload of money and since signing that contract uh, according to fan graphs you know the value factors the highest he should have been making was in 2017 they said his value was 6.1 million yeah see i don't like he had, I think he had. Did he have two no hitters? I think he might have had two. He did. Yes, he did throw two no hitters. But then, like he's, I don't understand the appeal of the Twins there. I really don't. Like what no. they're gaining. Yeah, but what's the what's the Twins appeal with Rich Hill? He's a lefty though. Like An I understand aging lefty that. Who? But I understand like the le- the move to get the lefty though. Like yeah. lefties are valuable. And Homer Bailey is like the most replaceable guy, like in all of base. Like I swear to God, he's the most replaceable guy in all of baseball. All I know is that Homer Bailey had a two point nine WAR last year, so he did kind of bounce back a little bit last year. Isn't that amazing? How the only years he does well is in the years where he needs a contract. Yes. Yeah. You love those guys. You absolutely love to see those guys. 
Yeah, and it's the opposite in the NFL where the, the NFL guys are in their contract year and they're playing not to get hurt. Well, Homer Bailey in his contract year balls out. Yeah, and then he's just terrible every other year. Yeah, it's like Eric Hosmer. I don't know if you ever looked into him. I was going to do him for my bad contract, but every other year he has a really good year. So. Yeah, I I might have that might that actually probably would be a good one is the uh the Eric Hosmer deal. Yeah, I was gonna actually do that one this week, so maybe my next one will get into that one. Well you can't do it now, you already just gave it up. Well, maybe we'll just talk about Eric Hosmer one week. Maybe. But hey, Kenny, we have a surprise guest. Oh, who's the guest? I'm surprising you again this week with a brand new guest. Oh my god, it is my favorite human being ever. He is Brad! a brand new guest. What's up, boys? How are what we, up, Brad? Boy? What's going on? Not much. We have a resident Tampa Bay Rays fan on here. We actually have been talking about a lot about the Rays, which is really unhealthy, but we need to uh, stop talking about the Rays. Although they are kind of my World Series favorites right now. so As well as mine. Well, you bandwagon I mean, off of me. It's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick, pick at all. Also, we had a White Sox guy come on here and say the Rays are going to win the World Series. So, it's kind of, we're kind of spreading the news. Listen, I mean, at any time, you guys can just come on over and hop on the bandwagon. But you're going to have to do it soon. I already did it. Like, I'm already – you can go back and look at the old podcast. I, I think it was episode one. I think it was actually episode one. I said I think the Rays might win the World Series. But see, I've I've known you for two years, and the amount of trash talk you have put on the Rays, I don't accept it. I don't accept your bandwagon. Hold on. So episode one of a podcast, when I come out and say the Rays are one of my World Series favorites, now you don't accept it? Listen, I would respect it if I was like a Marlins fan or something, but everybody has the Rays as a World Series favorite. But I came out before it was popular. Mm. Season wasn't even announced yet, Bradley. Listen, you can say whatever you want. I won't accept it. <laughs> all right. Well, other than the Rays World Series talk, what can we expect from the Rays, like competing with the Yankees for the AL East and maybe a World Series? Tell me about Willie Adamas, baby. Listen, God, no. You know, God, no. Before, before I came – before I was going to come on this podcast, I was – uh. I was thinking of what to say, you know, what, uh, what I could say to get the people triggered out there. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Willie Adamas is a better baseball player than Babe Ruth. <laughs> you got to be shitting me. God damn it. <laughs> That's a hot take, though. See, it's not a hot take unless you're a Rays fan. We all know. <laughs> Is it, I, honest question, is Willie Adamas even going to be their starting shortstop like three weeks into the season? Are you talking about Wander Franco? I am talking about Wander Franco. I think, I think he is just because of the fact that our third basemen are Yandy Diaz and Yoshi. Who is a dope also. Yoshitomo is dope. Yeah, but see, you know, you see how big he is. He's not going to be mobile. He's a first base or a DH. We're going to need a third base. And I think that Wander will go there or he'll go at second base. Interesting. Willie's just way too good defense. I mean, we all saw it in the playoffs. We saw it against the, you know, the scum Astros. <laughs> he's, just, he's too good of a defensive player to move him. So I would say Willie is the future of 
the shortstop position of the Rays. He's the future of the Rays, and he's the future of MLB. You know, I, I hey, we, we, we don't bring Bradley on to, uh, you know, to say things that everybody already knows. So, we do, we do got to bring <laughs> him on for the hot takes. Listen, and I've already told Bo I'm a reoccurring guest on this thing, so you'll be hearing more of this talk. Yeah, we'll see about that considering all the Willie Adamas talk. I don't know. But, uh, no, I think I think the Rays are actually, like, stupid deep. Like, no matter what position you're looking at, whether it's the rotation, their bullpen, their infield, their outfield, like, they're probably the deepest team in baseball for a team that spends, like, literally pennies. Yeah, I agree with that. The front office right. is crazy. All right. Brad, I got a question for you. You think with this group of guys that the Rays have right now, you think they actually go out and spend some money to extend some of these guys to keep this group together? No uh, way. I think – I think uh, no. <laughs> Just because I, I know the Rays. And the fact of the matter is, is they have so much young talent. You know, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows – Willie Adamez, Brandon Lau, you got Wander Franco. I mean, there's just no way that they're going to be able to afford all these. I mean, Blake Snell, he's already gone. After his contract is up, he, he's gone. Yeah, he kissed him goodbye. He's going to L.A. or New York or Boston. He's, if, if you want a prediction from me, come back to this podcast in about three years. I think his contract is done in 2023 or 24. Uh, he will be in pinstripes. I can guarantee it. Yeah, I see that happening for sure. As so much gotta, as yeah. I see them all stay, I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, and they don't. I mean, they have Brett Honeywell who can come up in a little bit, and uh, uh, who's the other they guy? They got McKay. McKay can come up and, and done, fill yeah. that spot. So they have guys to replace. That's the, that's that's why they're so good all the time. Is they just have guys to replace people. What people, what people, I don't, I think what have, I think the best scouts in baseball. So people, when, when times, when all of our young players get really good and their contracts, you know, end and we lose them, it's like, oh, there, there you go. The Rays, you know, lost their big players again, small market team, yada, yada. I mean, that's just a part of the plan. You know, we get all these young guys in and we just, you know, keep circling them, circling them through, circling them through, and that's how we're able to compete. Yeah, I think that's, like, this year, that, like, I, they were picked, like, 20, I don't know, 23 maybe, and the Sabitko kid dropped to him who was, like, one of the top 15 players in the draft, and it was like, of course he did, because huh. that's just what the Rays do. Yeah. But, you know, they figure out ways to just literally – assembly line players just to fill in spots and mm -hmm. it does get annoying because you wish your organization could do that and the Rays do it so efficiently and so well but you know that's that's who they are and mm -hmm. other teams look up to them I mean why why do you think that you know our our vice presidents our GMs our pitching coaches I mean they're going they're going to the Dodgers the Red Sox the Yankees people want our front office yeah people absolutely I mean, Kyle Bloom, Kyle Bloom was a Rays guy, right? Yeah, he was with the Rays. And I think Andrew Friedman was with the Rays too. Yeah, now he's he in L.A. But yeah, it's just you had you had Rocco Baldelli was our first base coach, and then he's now the manager of the Twins. You got Charlie Montoya, who was our bench coach. He's the manager of the Blue Jays. Everybody just wants a little piece of the of the Rays. <laughs> a little piece of the pie, huh? 
Mm-hmm. Just a little piece of it. Yeah, it's. I, I think, and the th- I, the White Sox guy we had on who did say that he thought the Rays could be World Series champions. That's what he kind of said. Was he goes, you know, everybody wants to talk about like, oh, the Blue Jays are coming and the White Sox are coming, but people forget that the Rays are kind of already here. They're here. They were here back then. They're going to be here for the future. I will uh, say, I will say that the White Sox are looking pretty, pretty decent, you know. Hey, I love to hear it. Pretty decent. I, I can't say the same for the Brewers. I'm a big Cardinals fan. <laughs> you just um, lost all your credibility, Brad. You went from a resident uh, Rays fan to a Cardinals fan. Listen, the Rays are literally the Rays are life. The Cardinals are just, you know. A booty just, call? That's, that's, my, that's my NL team. Is that your booty call, Cardinals. the Cardinals? The Cardinals, yeah. They're a booty call. They're a booty call? Yeah. I guess you could say that. <laughs> All right, Brad. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. Uh, I had to get some race talk in here a little bit tonight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, hey, yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to get back on at some point. Oh, yeah. But uh, just before I go, uh, I got a couple of thoughts. Um, Rays, they're going to win this year's World Series. There's one. Uh, White Sox <laughs> will be nowhere close to the playoffs. No, you just said they're looking decent. They're looking decent, but they're not there. The Brewers might finish last in their division. <laughs> we got the Pittsburgh Pirates in our division. Relax. All I'm going to say is the Rays are a far superior club than the White Sox and the Brewers. They're a powerhouse in the AL East. And that's just, that's just it. And we have one of the worst managers in baseball. People don't like to talk about that. Kevin Cash is an absolute idiot. He is an idiot. I hey, that's the first negative thing you said about the race the entire time. Can we get uh, a round if, of applause for that? You, my God. Me, if you know me, my hatred for Kevin Cash is on. That guy is so dumb. Anybody could do that man's job. You want Joe Madden back? If Joe Madden was back, we don't win the last four World Series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All I'm saying is that, I, you know, I was rooting for the Rays. The Rays were like, that was my, like, you know. I mean, that was I mean my you call. can't hate the – I mean, what's the hate about the Rays? You. There's, there's now, now you made me hate the Rays because now you're talking shit about the White Sox. Now <laughs> I have to hate the Rays. Oh, boy. I only, I only talk shit about the White Sox because all you uh, – all you, know, you Chicagoans, you Illinoisans, you – you Wisconsinans, you like to talk about the past. That's all it is up there. And the North is about the past. We're uh, all about the future Brewers, in Chicago. Brewers made the playoffs in 2001. Uh, White Sox won a World Series in 1924. <laughs> That's all you're talking Hey, wh- you White, talk Sox, about- White Sox fans looking towards the future right now. Yeah, but see, they don't have the right personnel. They don't have the right head coach. That's not true. We got They we have got no pitch. They have Lucas Giolito, and that's it. Dallas Keuchel? He, why do you think he's on the White Sox? He's been washed for five years. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, 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 you hype up Michael Kopech. The dude can't pitch more than three innings. We're blowing out his UCL. Oh, White Sox. See, if White Sox, Dave would have heard this, he's going to listen to this podcast. He's going to hate it. He's going to hate you. White Sox, Dave, if you want to talk, if you want to argue about who's better, the White Sox or the Rays, Bo will give you my number. You can link me. Let's get it done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad. Well, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll have to have you back on when the race don't yeah, make the playoffs. Yeah, man, so. yeah, thanks, Brad. Yeah, see you, boys. See ya. See ya.
All right, guys. Well, that is actually all that we have for today's show. Real surprise guest action from uh, really he's just Mr. Hot Takes. Yeah, all hot takes. All and hot I takes guess Billy Adamas is going to be better than Babe Ruth. Yep. Uh, apparently, Billy Adamas is the best player in the history of baseball because Babe Ruth actually leads all of baseball history in wins above replacement. So, so I think um, uh, we just got to end it on that. Yeah, I think that's the best way to end it. But, uh, yeah, before we end, one more time before we leave, patreon.com slash talk. Go subscribe and become a member of our family. But, guys, that is it for the Chalkline Talk episode today. I uh, want to thank you to White Sox Dave. Again, a thank you to Bradley Sumner, Mr. Hot Takes. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all we got. So, uh, as always, Chalkline Talk, baby. See ya.